0: Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. And this morning we continue our series The Wonders of Christmas. In this series we'd explore really the themes of our Advent season as we look into scripture it's of hope, peace, joy and then our final Sunday of Advent love. Hey, you know, one of the questions that in the video they ask, I just think is an interesting question, you know, how can we be so small yet so special? I don't know if you've ever been to a planetarium before, ever been out there maybe away from the city lights and then just you know, sat there or, or lay there on the ground and looked up and saw all the stars and just amazed at how immense this universe is, how beautiful it is, and feel so small, yet as small as we may feel sometime, you are so special. Because the God of the universe loved you. He loved us so much that he stepped into our world in his son, Jesus Christ, that he gave his life for us. And this is is a celebration that we gather throughout the season of Advent and, and leading up to the celebration of the birth of Jesus in Christmas. The one who says to us, yes, you may be small, but you are so very special. To me. Well, as you think about that, I got a couple questions for you to get your brain working a little bit this morning, because you got your shoulders loosened up if you're here early enough to shake some hands and give some high fives and some fist bumps. Some Christmas trivia. Are you ready? Got to put your thinking cap on. Make sure it's tight. All right, here's your first question. First question is this. How did Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem? Now, before you answer that, this is a multiple choice. So the next slide is your multiple choice uh, options. So they travel by A, camel, B, donkey, C, walked, D, Volkswagen, E, who knows? All right, so really quick, A, how many say camel, B, donkey, C, walked, D, Volkswagen, Really, nobody thinks we travel by Volkswagen? <laughs> e, who knows? Oh, you want to know what the right answer is? Um, well, tradition in uh, the manger scene and all the Christmas cards would be B, that she rode on a donkey and she's nine months pregnant. And for those of you who've been pregnant nine months, who wants to go bouncing around like this, you know? Um, actually, we have no idea. We, we, the Bible doesn't tell us. I mean, it might have been a donkey. She might have been three months pregnant. They might have gotten there quite a bit earlier than the last night before Jesus was born. We don't know. They might have walked and ridden a donkey or ridden in a cart, which we don't really know. But I know. You don't want the message of the manger scene to take her off the donkey or anything like that. All right, next question. What did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? All right, well, you got multiple choice. You got to wait for all the multiple choice options here. A, there is no room in the inn. B, I have a stable you can use. C, come back after Christmas. <laughs> Both A and B, E, none of the above. Oh, there's a little bit, you know, uncertainty here. <laughs> I mean, again, tradition tells us what, you know, they go knocking on all the doors, and the innkeeper is, I got no room, and then, you know, maybe the wife is the one that says, well, honey, you know, there's room in the, you know, the, the, in the stable, and, and what did the stable looks like, again, it could have been a cave, it might have been that wood kind of shack looking thing that a lot of us have for our manger scenes, but we know there was no place because there was a census going on, so the city was just bursting at the seams, And probably there was no inn, like a holiday inn. Often you stayed with family. But for whatever they would have gone to, there was no place for them. And so we know that Jesus was born, you know, in a stable. All right, next question. How many of you are like two for two? (laughs) According to the Bible, which animals were present at Jesus' birth? Are you ready? Next slide. All right. A, cow, sheep, goats... B cows, donkey, sheep, C a miscellaneous barnyard animals, D lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! <laughs> e we don't know. I'm here. There's a, some of you say B and C, and some of you are like E. It, really, we don't know. I, again, I know. You know, he's seeing away in the manger. You know, the cattle are lowing, and you know it sounds peaceful and quiet. It's a silent night. But we really have no idea. And again, you know, you don't have to rearrange your manger scene. If you've got cows and sheep there, you can keep them there. But we really just don't know. All right, next question. What sign did the angels tell the shepherds to look for? All right. Our answer slides. Options. A, a star over Bethlehem, a baby that doesn't cry, a baby in a stable, a baby lying in a manger, or none of the above. How many say A? Star. How many say B a baby that doesn't cry? C, a baby in a stable. D, a baby lying in a manger. A few more of you. E, none of the above. How many are not sure? <laughs> a few more like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just lying in a manger. You know, you'll find this baby, this feeding trough. All right. Another question. How many magi came to see Jesus? All right. Was it A, three? B, ten or less? C, depends on how many your nativity scene are broken. <laughs> or G, we just don't know for sure. I hear somebody saying D. You know, we, we like to think of three. Tradition says three because there were three gifts. And over the course of history, you know, there were three names that were given, probably tied to the idea of three gifts but we really don't know how many wise men, how many magi traveled to see Jesus. I can tell you this. It was two or more because the word that is used is plural. So we know that at least two of these magi came. Perhaps it was 10. Perhaps there was 12. 30. 30. Imagine your major scene on your, you know, table or where it's at home, you know, with 30 magi just bundled up there around to see Jesus. Well, again, we continue our series, The Wonders of Christmas. And even though it's outside of really part of the Christmas story, it is, but it isn't, and we'll get into that. We're going to take a look here at the magi and who they are and, and, and what it means when they journeyed to Bethlehem and what we learn about our own Journey in life, our own faith as we come and we celebrate who Jesus is to us. Let's begin as we read some of the verses that we heard just a few minutes earlier from Matthew chapter 2. There are two slides here for us. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the Judean king. After Jesus' birth, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They asked, Where's the one who was born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star rising and have come to worship him. So you go to the next slide. So, you know, here are these wise men. They've gathered because this star, like a spotlight, has told them something amazing is unfolding. Something unique, something special is going to happen here. And so these magi, these wise men, travel from the east. Now, again, we said a little earlier, we don't know exactly how many wise men there were, how many magi there were. We know there was at least two because the word is plural. Also, just so you know, how do they travel? I mean, how many of you see them in your head, in your Christmas cards, in your Christmas decor, in manger scenes? How many of them have them traveling on camels? Now, do we know whether they travel on camels or not? Not at all. They probably did not travel in a big you know, Volkswagen um, Bus or anything like that. We know they traveled. More likely, they probably traveled by horse than camels. But these, some of you are like, "Well, yeah, they probably traveled." The camels were not in use that way, and, and horses would have been more comfortable. And if these magi, whether they were kings or are wise, learned men, um, would have probably had horses because it was much more comfortable to travel by horse. But again, I don't know. I can't say that. So leave your camels with your wise men. It's okay. But here are these guys that are traveling because they have read these ancient scriptures. And this event is happening. And again, there's so much that we don't know that we hold on to in our traditions because of songs that we've sung, that there are traditions that have been part of Christmas pageantries. Maybe when you were a kid, you were a wise man, you know, that we just don't know. We know that these guys from the east, east maybe not being necessarily orient, in a sense that far east, but east as in, you know, over in Arabia. And again, were were they truly kings? Or were they wise, learned men? Were they representatives of the king? Were they truly completely pagan? Or were they maybe some mixture of, well, kind of, the beliefs of the people in that area, but also because at times God's people, the Hebrews, the Israelites, had been carried away into captivity. Guys like Daniel. And you remember three guys, you know, in a fiery Fiery furnace. That when they were in those parts of the world, they may have, you know, likely, you know, as they put a spotlight on who God truly was that they left their scriptures there as well, and that these men were men who were reading all of the scriptures and understanding, you know, not just the stars, but the scriptures. And, and as they saw this, they, they, they knew that something unique and special was happening. Again, we don't know for certain. We, we can conjecture about who they might have been. And even as they travel, you know how long did it take them from, to get from one place to another? By by some estimations, they might have been a month long, or you know even longer travel to get from where they were to Bethlehem. Of course, Bethlehem's not the first place they go to, right? The first place they go to is where Jerusalem, because that's where the king, you know, is Herod, who is the king. And, of course, the whole city, it says, is in turmoil because these wise men have showed up. Now, again, maybe depending on who they were or what they looked like, if, and maybe if they're riding camels or horses, it was just three guys bopping along. Best, maybe not so worrisome. The likelihood is, again, there was at least two or more of them, and that whether they were actually kings or wise learned men and representatives of the king, that they may probably came with a whole entourage of people. So, whether there was two or 10 or 12 or 30, there was also this whole crew of others who were there attending to them. And so, when they arrive, it's a big deal. Everybody sees it. It's also a good possibility that because of where they were coming from and because of the power they represented, the authority they had, it's a little worrisome because is this a declaration of war? Is this an announcement that you better, you know, give up? Your rule and your reign, or we will come and stomp you out. But they arrive on the scene, of course, and the whole city's in turmoil. Also, the city's in turmoil because they know Herod, and Herod is a guy who, um, well, you know, he was not a guy to mess around with. He was paranoid that anybody would take any authority, any claim to the throne from him. And so when these guys come and they ask, you know, where's the one born king of the Jews? Because we have come to worship him. We've followed a star in the east. Okay, real quick. We've got to talk about the star now. Now the star, what was the star? You know what? Nobody knows for sure. I, there's, there's some, some um, conjecturing. There's some possibilities of what the star might have been. A star might have been a unique star, the birth of a new star. It might have been a supernova that happened around that time. It might have been, you know, like Halley's Comet, which happened around that time. It might have been, you know, the the planets, like, like the three planets, like all aligned and had this really bright shining, which, you know, they would have probably thought is a star in the sky. It might have been something so uniquely cosmic that God set in the sky for just this time. What we do know is that something that they read about and something they saw put a spotlight on this group of people living in Israel. And that these two or more magi took up their stuff, brought with them gold, frankincense, and myrrh, That is correct, because that's in the Bible. And they made their way to Jerusalem. And when they get there, you know, they ask that question. So where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Again, Herod's probably frustrated, trying to be, keeping himself together. Because, again, he doesn't know exactly what their proposition is. and, And then, of course, Jerusalem's upset because Herod might be upset. Well, then he gathers, you know, his wise men. He gathers the, the learners of the Hebrew Scriptures, you know, to say, let's search the Scriptures. What do the Scriptures say? And, of course, you know, they read these words here from Micah. And let's read these words together from Micah 5, verse 2. There's two slides here for us. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you will come for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. See, what the prophet Micah is doing, he's putting a spotlight on this little town of Bethlehem. Kind of like the song that many of us love to sing this time of year, "Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. I don't know if it was still or not, but this little town of Bethlehem, this city of David, that Micah the prophet puts a spotlight on this little city, saying, from you will come one from ancient times who will rule my people, who will be the one that was promised from long, long ago. The one that's promised is is we've gone through, both in our Sunday mornings and our Wednesday nights, you know, various people throughout scriptures who've held on to God's promise. A spotlight on God's promise. A promise made all the way back to Adam and Eve. In the garden, that wonder their descendants would come. Because you know, as you read the prophets, and sometimes we read the prophets and we think the prophets or you know, just some cosmic kind of foretelling, but really the prophets especially are putting a spotlight onto God's promise. All of his promises, and ultimately, all of those promises bundled together, put a spotlight on Jesus. And that child born in Bethlehem. That child who came with a sole purpose, to live a life that we can never live, a life of perfect obedience, and to give his life for us on the cross, to suffer, to die, and three days to rise again. All of God's word puts a spotlight on Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. Now we're going to jump forward. From the Magi, Jesus was born, he lived, he suffered, he died, he rose again, he went back into heaven. Sorry, now we're into Easter. And now it's not Easter, it's Pentecost. Um, And we're going to talk about this guy who used to be named Saul, right? And we know him as Paul. And you see that he does much the same thing here. Let's go to the next two slides here for Scripture. This is putting this, actually I think it's three slides, putting this into context. Read this with me. The rest of them went from Perga to Antioch to Pisidia. Then on the Sabbath they went to the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders sent someone over to tell Paul and Barnabas, friends, if you have anything to say that will help the people, please say it. And so, what happens here, as tradition custom was, if you had guests who were worshiping in the synagogue, you would allow them to stand up and give you some thoughts on the scriptures. So, they do that, and what does Paul do? Paul does what Paul has always done, whether he's speaking to his fellow Jews, whether he's speaking to the Gentiles, the non Jewish people, and whether he's speaking about his own life, whether he's reaching back through the prophets and the events of old, or whether he's looking to the future, he puts a spotlight on who? On Jesus. Because even as Paul talks about his life, about how he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and about him meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, and how that encounter changed his life, Paul is putting a spotlight on Jesus. And it's really what our lives are all about too. As we gather here today, as we sing the songs, as we celebrate in our worship, it helps us put a spotlight on Jesus and who Jesus is for us and our lives. But also as we think about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. Because this is what we're all about here at Holy Spirit, growing in Jesus and sharing his love, is those opportunities we have through our own lives, through our own words, to put a spotlight on Jesus. Now, does that mean we live our lives perfectly? Are Christians perfect? I want you to say this with me. Yeah, we're not. I mean, we sometimes act like we do and are, and sometimes people perceive that we act like we do, and we are, and sometimes that's because we behave that way, but we're not. I mean, one of the best ways we've hit a spotlight on Jesus is when we are struggling with life, and we can be honest that it's a struggle, yet we're holding on to God for our hope. That in the midst of sadness and sorrow, even the death of a loved one, that in the midst of that sadness and sorrow, there is joy in their celebration because Paul says, you know, we grieve, but not like the rest of the world, because we grieve with hope. That when we are not perfect and we sin and we disobey God, that we know we are forgiven and loved by the God of the universe. And through our words and our actions, we can put a spotlight on who Jesus is to us, who Jesus is to you. As we go forward into the remainder of this holiday season, even as we think of stepping into this new year of 2023, Here's a question for us to, I think, reflect on and challenge ourselves with. What is one way your life can intentionally shine a spotlight on Jesus? For you know, the, the Magi, that star shined a spotlight on Jesus. And the words of the prophets, those ancient prophets in Micah, shined a spotlight on Jesus. For for Paul and, and all the other apostles, they, through their words and their lives, shined a spotlight on Jesus. And we, too, are called to do more than just simply gather here and sing some great songs and enjoy being together. And if you stick around, enjoy some food after worship. Or like, you know, the, you know, the immediate need that we have to collect some items for... You know, those seniors at the Belmont Community Center, is that through our lives and our actions, is to shine a spotlight on the one for who this season is all about and what his reason for coming is all about, for giving his life and rising again, that we have life in him, that we know we are loved by him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing love and grace. Lord, as we think of the Magi, however many there were, Lord, they came because these ancient scriptures they read, this, this star, this cosmic event they saw, it put a spotlight on something amazing that was unfolding unto God's promise from long ago unfolding before them. Lord Jesus, as you walk this earth, you heal the sick, you, you taught with such amazing power and authority of God's love and forgiveness. And you gave your life for us on the cross, rose again from the grave. You put a spotlight on the love God has for the world, the love that he has for us. Lord, we pray that through our own lives and actions, Lord, we can put a spotlight on you, that we can... our lives, that people say, hey, we know they are Christians, that as Christians, we put a spotlight on you and your amazing love for us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.